the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob Press Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at eight minutes past the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 24th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. We have a couple of great guests who are going to join us on the broadcast today. Coming up in about 40 minutes, in fact, exactly 40 minutes at 948, Congressman Jim Jordan will join us to talk about a host of issues that we are going to discuss with one another as well, including Iran. What is the president's endgame here? What is his strategy? And why are the Democrats not happy? They were going to criticize him if he bombed Iran. They were going to criticize him if he didn't bomb Iran. And that is exactly what is happening. Are they right, however? Is the president doing the right thing by giving Iran a belief that they can do what they want with impunity? Only by instituting new sanctions on the uh, uh, the rogue government there. Should he do something more direct? And why is he telling them that we don't want to get in any more wars? Does that not embolden our enemies if they feel as though the American people and its leader, its CIC, Commander-in-Chief, are war-weary? So I'm going to talk about that with Congressman Jim Jordan, as well as a host of other things, including reparations, including uh, ICE deportations, and more. Speaking of the latter... Yes, the president has talked tough on deporting millions and millions of illegal aliens who are here because we have to do something to disincentivize more illegal aliens from crossing our border, either as just illegal aliens or as phony asylum seekers or whatever the case might be. The president made a tough statement toward the end of last week. We're going to deport millions of them. Then I said we weren't told about this. And suddenly the president now says, well, we're going to give you two weeks, Democrats, to do something at the border, to do something about the crisis at the border, and if you don't do anything, then we're going to deport. I, 
love our president and what he has done, and I will always be in his debt for stopping Hillary Clinton from winning the White House, but I'm going to say this out loud. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that the president is going to order ICE to start rounding up uh, millions of people and deporting them. I'm not buying it. Not for a second. Nope, not. This two-week two, two week, uh, uh, delay, if you will, what's the purpose of that? What's the point of that? The Democrats haven't done anything since they took over. Since they took over the House in November of 2018, in these first six months of their uh, their tenure as uh, the overlords of the People's House, they haven't done anything about bo- the border crisis. What makes you think that they're going to do something in two weeks? They're not going to. The president is trying to buy time here because he knows he's not going to order the rounding up of millions of illegal uh, uh, aliens. I hope he is. I hope I'm wrong. And if I am, I will say I apologize, Mr. President, for doubting your resolve. But I think we are hearing a lot of bold, uh, braggadocious promises from the president right now because the Democrats are starting to gain an awful lot of attention. they got debates coming up. Uh, they're taking a lot of shots at him. He is losing in the polls to you know a lot of them at the top of their their uh, their list of the cesspool of candidates. And the president is trying to do something decisive and loud and boisterous to get a lot of attention. And I don't think he intends to do the deportation. Otherwise, he would just order it and be done with it. This two weeks to quote unquote come up with something. Democrats come up with what? They blocked, obstructed, and stopped. The Republican-controlled Congress for two years from doing anything at the border. They won't pay for a border wall. They won't pay for more facilities at the border to hold people. They won't do anything to change the asylum laws. They wouldn't do it in two years as the minority party. They haven't done it in six months as the majority party. What do you think they're going to do in two weeks? My belief is next to nothing. In fact, just nothing. So I don't know what the president's going to do two weeks from now, but we'll wait and see. And we'll talk about that. I mentioned our guests, and uh, R.J. Haman is going to be joining us. R.J. is the uh, Director of Government Affairs for FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. He will join me at 1010 this morning to talk about that issue. So uh, so much to get into today. I will open up the phone lines to you early and often at 216-901-0945. You can dial now if you want, uh, because we are guest-free until uh, Congressman Jordan at 948. So 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers will get you here. Twitter, Facebook, and Parler. Uh, follow me at those places and interact and leave comments for me that I will use on the air if they are arable. Uh, and that would be at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. All one word, no spaces, no underscores. France Radio on all of the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Parler, the new one that conservatives are flocking to, and I'm making more and more use of that as well. All right. Um, I want to get to Bernie because we have to get to Bernie. Somebody has to get to Bernie. I wish somebody would literally get to Bernie and uh, and talk some sense into this lunatic. Bernie Sanders, of course, is who I'm speaking of, who continues to campaign in South Carolina, along with all the other Democrats, or a lot of them anyway. He was at a town hall teasing his uh, socialist policies. I mean, that's it, explaining them. He's on CBS talking about this, too, talking about his socialist policies. In addition to Medicare for All, which will just destroy health care in this country for millions 
hundreds of millions. Literally, I think the number I heard was 180 million Americans who will lose their private health care, lose their private health insurance under Medicare for All if this were to somehow be forced upon the American people. Everyone would have their taxes raised exponentially so that all of those monies could go to the Medicare for All pool to be doled out to you at the government's discretion. Government being put in charge of your medical bills, meaning your medical services, meaning your tests, your treatments. You don't get to make that decision with your insurance company. The government makes that decision for you. He continues to push Medicare for all, and as if that is not enough of a socialist model for him, he went out and is now, again, he says he's on the stump, talking about student loan debt forgiveness for everybody. Well, not for everybody, but for most. And why? Because, once again, the government will handle all of your tuitions from now on. Public schools should be free. Public universities and colleges should be free of charge. Bernie Sanders, I'm telling you, there is something not right about this guy. And if you have not been paying attention, well, that's on you. Basically, this is what we're going to be saying. We're going to be saying that it is a little bit crazy for people to do what they have to do, which is to get a quality education and then find themselves in the absurd position of having to pay that debt off for decades. Yeah, well, you know what? That's uh, exactly what they sign up for. And it's exactly what we signed up for. A debt. We made an agreement with a bank. We borrowed money to go to school and said, we'll pay it back at 8% interest. At least that's what it was when I paid it. That's exactly what it is. And it's hard for people to pay back. Okay, so we're just going to forgive it because it's hard for people to pay back and they need an education? Let's extend that a little bit, Burn. You know what else is hard to pay back? $150,000 for a mortgage. But when I borrow it from the bank, when a person borrows $200,000 for a nicer house, when a person borrows $100,000 for a more modest house, they tell the bank, yes, I'll pay it back. What happens when it gets hard to pay back? People need a home. They need a roof over their heads, just like they need an education. Should they be able to say, I can't pay it back, it costs too much, it's too much of a burden? Should the government then give blanket debt forgiveness to mortgage holders? Think about the insanity of that. Everyone needs transportation to get from point A to point B, to get from home to work or church or whatever, right? And we agree when we buy a car and finance it to pay the bank back. The bank that is financing that or that is uh, putting that money up front, we have to pay them back? Yeah, this this car this car loan is really really a burden. It keeps coming every month. There it is in the mailbox. Or I've got these coupons that gave me the coupon book, and I got to pay two hundred and thirty dollars a month for this car. I got to pay three hundred and fifty dollars a month for this car, and man, it's really a burden. I can't keep paying this, but I can't have my car taken away. Can I get car loan forgiveness? That's where we are. And this is the slippery slope that you do not want to be standing on, my friends. You absolutely do not. 
All right, I got a lot to get into today. I'm going to break now at 9.17. We're going to try, I may have another guest coming on here in just a couple of minutes. Jay McDonald, Vice President of the Fraternal Order of Police, uh, FOP in Ohio, uh, may be joining me uh, in a moment. I'm kind of in talks with him about whether or not he can pull away. He was on Fox News this morning, and I reached out to him last minute to say, Jay, can we talk about this going on? I'll tell you that story, whether Jay is with me or not coming up. Your phone calls, too, at 216-901-0945, next on the Bob France Authority. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. All right, it's 922 now. The Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, I was watching uh, a little bit of Fox News this morning in between uh, Hugh Hewitt segments, and uh, I uh, was pleased to see a friendly face. Uh, I saw Jay McDonald, uh, National Vice, uh, FOP Vice President, uh, on uh, on Fox and Friends talking with Steve Ducey and, uh, and the folks about a terrible situation. Um, I really wasn't that aware of this. I was kind of out of town all weekend and uh, and, and and out of pocket, so to speak. Uh, so I had to look the story up, and I didn't really realize this was toward the end of last week what had happened at this horrific situation in Sacramento, where police officers were responding uh, uh, to a horrific shooting, and a police officer, a female police officer, was was shot. And while they tried to tend to her and care for Officer Tara O'Sullivan, they were asking the the bystanders around for assistance. And rather than give assistance, they mocked, taunted, and jeered the police who were trying to save the life of one of their fallen officers. Jay was discussing that on Fox this morning. I asked him if you would come on for a few minutes here. Jay, thank you, sir. I appreciate you uh, answering the call here on short notice. How are you, Jay? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm always available for you and your audience, Bob. Well, thank you for that. I, as I, as I kind of laid it out there, I was watching you on Fox and I can't speak for you. I'm going to ask you to kind of maybe repeat a little bit about what you had to say there. This is, um, this is indicative, is it not, of the state of the relationship between certain communities and certain segments of the community and police. And as you said on Fox today, uh, a lot of that has to do with the atmosphere created by politicians. Well, exactly right. And, and kind of in a nutshell, here's what happened. Officer O'Sullivan, a brand-new officer, not even off of her training session yet, goes to a house to help a a woman leave a potentially violent domestic situation. She's there to help. And uh, while she's doing that, uh, she's ambushed, shot, and and, uh, she died from those injuries. And the, the assailant then, for more than 45 minutes, continues to exchange gunfire with the law enforcement officers while Officer O'Sullivan live uh, on that scene, mortally wounded, and they're trying to get to her so she can get medical aid. Officers obviously cordon off the area to try to protect the citizen and also try to uh, make sure they they can devote their resources to uh, to rendering aid to Officer O'Sullivan. And, and bystanders are, are, are taunting them, uh, threatening to fight them, telling them they, they, uh, they all should be shot, those kinds of things. And uh, r- really, it's a it's a despicable, disgusting situation um, that uh, you know people who hate the police have been emboldened by by this kind of rhetoric, and uh, it really needs to stop. We're talking to Jay McDonald, Vice President of the uh, of the uh, uh, National FOP. Jay, the um, 
the part that bothers me here is that it was the, that she was ambushed. Was there ever an actual? Do we know there was? Was there ever an actual domestic violence incident, or was that just a staged call to bring someone there so that they could ambush an officer? Do we know that part? Um, yeah, the, the information I have is that they were on scene for you know thirty minutes or more, helping this this female gather her belongings. Uh, what we call in Ohio a domestic standby, um, so she could leave that that violent situation. And uh, while they were performing that standby, is when the male uh, half began shooting. So that seemed to be genuine. There was an issue. This 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 female needed help, and that's why they were doing the standby. You, you, there, there's no belief that this was staged uh, so that they could then so that the male could could commit this terrible crime. Uh, that, that's the information that we have now, but, but okay. the situations that, that you're describing have certainly happened um, all across the country. Where, so that's uh, why I brought it up, because we've seen it happen yeah. before, and I wanted to know if this was a legitimate DV situation that they were responding to, uh, and then, you know, that just went sideways when the male decided to start firing, or, or what, whether or not the whole thing was an ambush. Uh, but Jay, to the point now about the bystanders here, so, so this is a, a long standoff. Um, it, the shooting is going on for a while. While the shooting is going on and officers are engaged in this situation, um, Officer O'Sullivan lay dying, and and the bystanders, as shooting is going on, are cheering essentially for the male who shot her, saying that the rest of them should get shot too, rather than, than actually showing any concern for the, uh, the, 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 the fallen officer? Yeah, that that's right. There. And it's captured on video from a journalist on the scene where bystanders are all are saying, y'all need to be shot. Um, whatever officer got shot needs to be shot. Um, those kinds of things. And really, uh, you, my, your first reaction is one of disgust. But your second reaction, at least mine, is one that this is an opportunity to kind of draw a line in the sand for elected officials and community leaders to to stand up and to speak out and say this kind of hateful, uh, hateful speech will, will be called out for what it is, and that's divisive, hurtful to the community, and uh, there's no place for it uh, in society where law enforcement officers are, are putting on a badge and a gun and wading into dangerous situations on behalf of the community. They need your support. They do not need your hate. Do do those people realize, Jay? Jay McDonald is my guest. He's the uh, vice president of the National FOP. Do they realize that this this young officer and her fellow officers came there to that situation to help a woman, a woman who is who is being abused in a, in a violent situation. They came there to help one of them, one of the people in that neighborhood, one of the people in that development. I don't know if it was an apartment complex or what it was, but whatever it was, they came there to help somebody who was being harmed. And rather than saying, thank you for trying to help this girl, they're mocking them saying, y'all should be shot. Yeah, in, there seems to be no recognition of the sacrifice of a twenty uh, of a twenty six year old uh, person who just dedicated their lives to serving their community, uh, and she was shot and killed trying to do just that. And it, instead of recognizing that sacrifice that was made, instead of uh, of understanding the situation where uh, very very likely they could have been saving the life of, of the female half of that domestic situation. Um, they seem to rejoice in the in the violent death of a, of a community servant. And this, um, uh, I, I, I think that goes to show um, how far things have slipped in our society. 
Jay, last thing, uh, and this shouldn't matter, but it does, because this is 2019 and we're all dealing with reality and not fantasy, but um, can you tell me the race of the shooter? I believe he was Hispanic. The reason I bring that up is it should be obvious. When you say that elected officials and, and other prominent community members and maybe even media needs to call out this hatred and this vitriol for police officers for what it is, they're not going to if it seems as though uh, it's taking the side of the police over the side of minorities. Anybody who calls this out and defends police is going to say that you're ra- they're going to be called racist for defending cops because cops, in the mindset, not in reality, but in the mindset of these types of of of, of ang- you know angry people, cops are shooting minorities uh, uh, randomly and and wantonly and 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 essentially committing atrocities against the minority community. So nobody's going to speak out. Nobody's going to do what needs to be done here because they're afraid of being called racists. Well, let's talk about facts. The facts are that law enforcement officers place themselves between evil and the innocent every single day, regardless of race, religion, creed, socioeconomic status. Um, And they do so sometimes at risk of their own lives. Uh, And we all too often are hearing stories and witnessing uh, on video officers being killed and the first reaction is to uh, try to figure out uh, the, the race of the people involved instead of trying to figure out what the facts are. Yeah. And facts are what drive law enforcement officers. And the fact is, in this case, that Officer Tara O'Sullivan of the Sacramento Police Department was gunned down in cold blood, and it's time for our elected officials and our community leaders to stand up and say enough is enough and uh, this kind of, of behavior is not going to be tolerated in our community. It's not going to be celebrated by our citizens without rebuke from these elected officials and community leaders, and that's the hope, um, certainly, as we go forward. Well, Jay, it's uh, it's an unbelievably tragic situation. I was really uh, sad and, 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 and disgusted to learn of it when I saw you on Fox today, but I'm glad you're out there speaking on behalf of Officer O'Sullivan and all police officers and calling out these uh these these citizens or, or or whatever they are whatever they want to be referred to as who would celebrate and and cheer uh the the death of an officer and jeer those who are trying to help that officer it is simply a very very horrific situation a horrific time in which we find ourselves right now and something has to give uh jay please keep up your great work on behalf of the fop and more importantly on behalf of the citizens you serve thank you sir Thank you, Jay. Jay McDonald is the vice president of the uh, National FOP, as you just heard. And uh, we'll talk more about this as we continue on AM 1420. All right, we continue now at 937. Congressman Jordan, 11 minutes from now. Um, just to follow up, this is this was an unplanned part of the show. Okay, it wasn't part of my show preparation today, other than the fact that I uh, I happened to catch this uh, with Jay McDonald on television this morning, and then of course I called him. Actually, I called Gary Wolski, the the uh, president of the FOP, and said, "Hey, can you get Jay uh, or you to come on?" And uh, and indeed, uh, Jay did to tell us that story. Uh, so just a quick follow up on it. Um, this is this is insane. While. Officer Tara O'Sullivan lay dying on the street, shot by a career criminal, a thug, and we're getting more information. His name is Adele Sambrano Ramos. Court records say he has a huge 
lengthy criminal history dating back to 1995, including multiple multiple domestic violence and battery cases, uh, theft, driving under the influence, and now, of course, murder. He had threatened to kill his family with a bomb. Police respond to try to help escort this uh, woman who is, uh, you know, a victim of the domestic violence out of the home when he starts shooting, obviously, and kills the officer. Video from the scene surfaced late last week. I guess it was Thursday afternoon, so it was after I was off. The, of course, I didn't host on Friday. Thank you, Peter Kersenow, by the way, for sitting in for me, uh, as uh, you do from time to time, and I really appreciate your professionalism in doing that. But I wasn't aware of this. Video that surfaced Thursday showed several bystanders literally heckling the police officers as they attempted to save the officer's life. Get your blank in order. Get it together, one unidentified woman yelled. Mark your line. We won't cross it, added another. One woman called the officers punks, and if you'll pardon my language, bastards and cowards as they tried to secure the perimeter and uh, uh, tend to the officer. Others shouted, the only people we need to be safe from is you. Another shouted, whatever officer getting shot need to be, y'all need to be, y'all all need to be. I, I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm kind of equal parts sad and angry, um, maybe a little bit confused at this, because... Because what in the heck? I, I, I'm sorry to be so... But what in the heck? Um, I'm being as genteel with my language as I can. I know that there is a disconnect between certain segments of our community and the police. But my God, as, as a woman lay dying, somebody who came there to help a member of their community? This is what they're going to get? Jay McDonald issued an, a written statement in addition to uh, speaking on Fox News and then on this program this morning. He said, It is sad enough that police face the threat of death every day, but recently we have also uh, dealt with hateful anti-police groups that smear the reputation of good officers. While her family and brother and sister officers were just learning of Officer Tara O'Sullivan's tragic death, police haters in Sacramento made numerous comments celebrating her murder and disparaging police. Their comments were hateful and offensive and stand in stark contrast to her commitment to protect and serve. It is important for the public to remember that police stand ready to protect everyone. Ironically, if the authors of those hateful comments in Sacramento were in danger and called 911, Officer O'Sullivan would have raced to protect them. These despicable statements are an affront to her service to the city of Sacramento. And I would follow that up by saying uh, their statements are typical, sadly, of a segment of the society and a segment of uh, certain cities and populations that have been taught to hate cops and have been the whose whose anti-cop uh belief and feelings and hatred and so on have been fostered by politicians and i don't think it's very difficult for us to identify which politicians which politicians have stood against police which politicians have continually blamed police for situations that they have had to react to that involve life uh, you know, the protection of their own lives and the protection of the lives of others, all because of a political agenda. It's simply reprehensible. I right, had to get all of that out there. We have a lot of other ground to cover, but I wanted to follow up on that conversation with uh, uh, with Jay McDonald. Jim is in West Park, wants to get in early this morning. Jim, good to have you, sir. Go right ahead. 
Thank you. Um, uh, two points, my second one first. Okay. There was a bipartisan meeting in the White House, and they were discussing the immigration thing. And that immediately went to New York Times and Washington Post, and it was published in every single newspaper in the country about this sting operation. And the same thing happened not too long ago uh, with these sanctuary cities, warning the people. So Donald Trump said, look, okay, look we'll give you two weeks. And I think the reason he did that was to protect his Homeland Security officers and not put them in such danger, because if they know they're coming, they will be kind of ready for them. Okay, and these are criminals. That, that, that just... part, by the way, uh, Jim, that part sadly is true because there are actual elected officials like AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who actually is publicizing tips to illegal aliens on how to evade ICE raids and how to avoid them. There are numerous organizations, in fact, journalists, journalists who are calling on U.S. citizens to take risks to protect illegals during arrest raids. They are essentially saying, we are siding with illegal aliens and not with law enforcement and American sovereignty. So, yeah, you're right. They're, that part is true. They are, they are alerting illegal aliens to when ICE is coming. Now, hopefully that means all the illegal aliens will do is hide rather than, you know, commit some acts against the officers as you're alluding to but uh, but yes it is it should be of great concern that elected officials are actually telling illegal aliens how to avoid the ice raids and what to do when they come and my my first point the reason for my <laughs> phone call mm-hmm. uh f chuck todd interviewed the president and he brought out this big graph and he said look the last 26 of obama's uh had higher employment uh um in this last 26 years you can't argue it's right here and he said, uh, he didn't say anything, but the reason for that was because of Obamacare. A lot of full-timers lost their full-time job and had to work part-time. And Obama just loaded up the government with government jobs. So it was, it was he, he won the battle on optimism, okay? And after we had to pay for Obamacare for three years before it was enacted so he can get a second term. And then the lie about the the Republicans want to take away their pre-existing conditions. Uh, you know, and that's all I got. Just, uh, just thought well, I'd you, that it's a there. great point, Jim. You know, you're, good call. It's a great point that you make there, and I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Um, yes, uh, every bit you just said about the way Obama propped up the job numbers is true. They were crap jobs. They were part-time jobs, but the people went from unemployed to employed, you know, for, you know, with a part-time job. And so suddenly he gets credit for a job created. Uh, the wages were crap because most of them were in the service sector, not in the manufacturing sector. Uh, all, we, we've, we've gone through this. All of it was true, but of course you cannot expect Chuck Todd to acknowledge that and, and, uh, admit the truth quite frankly i'm surprised and maybe just a little bit disappointed that the, that the president gave chuck todd this exclusive he doesn't deserve it when's the last did when, did obama ever sit down on uh, on the air with hannity obama ever sit down on the air with uh you know did uh, uh hillary clinton when she was a candidate sit down with uh you know uh tucker carlson or laura ingram or somebody like that and i'm talking about somebody who's to the right of the uh, on the political spectrum no he always went on MSNBC, CNN, and so on in the in the friendly confines. President Trump, you know, he he went and gave Chuck Todd an exclusive, just like he gave George Stephanopoulos thirty hours of of uninterrupted access to the president. And I don't think they deserve it, to be quite frank. Uh, but that's up to the president if he wants to do that and wants to spar with them. Uh, that's his call. All right, let me get a quick time out here. It's nine forty six. Congressman Jordan coming up next.
France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward now, 949, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. Congressman Jim Jordan, now Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, back with us once again. Uh, Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good morning to you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we got to dive right in because there's a lot of ground here. Um, I want to start with the president's uh, announcement. Um, he is going to round up all kinds of illegal aliens, uh, millions of them, I think is what he said. Uh, we're going to deport them in mass raids. And then he said, okay, we're going to hold off on that for two weeks, give the Democrats two weeks to come up with something. Is there any reason to believe that the same party that would obstruct for two solid years as the minority party and then do absolutely nothing about the border crisis in six months as the majority party is going to suddenly in two weeks see the light? No. No, there's, there is zero chance they're going to help the country with this crisis on the border. Zero chance. Remember, this is the party where uh, Earl Blumenauer said we need to abolish ICE. Uh, their, their candidate for president... Uh, Canada, uh, Secretary Clinton said that we need a borderless hemisphere. Nancy Pelosi said walls are immoral. And the person who gave the response, the Democrat response to the State of the, of the Union, uh, Stacey Abrams, said she's okay with non-citizens voting. So th- there's no way that they're going to help us do what needs to be done. So uh, it's just unfortunate, but that's that's the fact. The president, God bless him and his, and his patience, is willing to try. But uh, it's just not going to work. It, there's, there's no way they're going to help. Us. So why, why the two weeks then? Why doesn't the president just act on this now and say, ICE, get to work? Yeah, I, I think they are going to. And remember, this is, this is, these are people who have been through the, the court process, all, had their due process, had their day in court, have been adjudicated and said, look, you are here illegally. You did not follow the law. Some of them didn't even show up for the court case. So we've done everything we can. Some have been here for years and they've been to the process and we're going to say, look, if you're not going to follow the law, this is a nation of laws, then we're going to have to send you back to your native country. And that's what this is. This is not mass people. This is not rounding up people. This is the people who've had due process and have been adjudicated in a court and saying you have to go to your – you have to return to your native country. That's what this is. So I do think he's going to start because I don't think the Democrats are going to do anything in the next two weeks. And then uh, then Mr. Morgan, who, who runs Immigration and Customs Enforcement, will be doing his uh, – th- those guys will be doing their job. Let's stay on immigration and get to the border conditions. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says these are concentration camps, that the conditions are simply unlivable, that we are intentionally allowing children living in cages on concrete floors under uh, 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 solar blankets to die uh, in the same way that the way that they did in uh, in Nazi Germany. And we know she meant Nazi Germany despite her denials because of her use of the phrase uh, never again is supposed to mean something. Um, she was she was challenged. She was offered by a Holocaust uh, 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 survivors groups. She was offered a chance to go and visit Auschwitz, visit Krakow, vi- visit the actual real concentration camps to see if this changes her mind. She refuses. What is your yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts on not only no, what she said but the conditions at the border? Here are the conditions. That, well, well, first of all, what she said. Every, everyone knows. Anyone with common sense knows it's, it's, it. Those are it's just not just ridiculous. So, um, but the conditions at the border. Yeah, like, totally offensive. Offensive, but the conditions at the border. I mean, think about this. A few months ago, there was enough fentanyl seized to kill 57 million Americans. Last month alone, the month of May, there were 144,000 apprehensions. That's not count. That, those are the people who were caught, not the ones who – think about all the people who get across. So if this is not a crisis, someone the, – the drug problem, the human trafficking problem, this is a, the gang violence problem. This is a crisis, and instead of saying – 
reprehensible things, offensive things, dis- wrong things, how about helping us address the crisis on the border and help those families who are there, help those kids stop this, quit providing the incentives for people to come in the first place. That's the main thing. So, um, But again, I don't think the Democrats are going to help us. I just don't because they, they're more concerned about attacking the president. I've said this so many times, but it's so true. They're more concerned well, how about many attacking requests the president. For fu- how many requests for funding, country. Congressman, have come through the House? How many requests for funding to, to expand the, the facilities down there and, and create more bed space and, and provide adequate facilities and so on and so forth? How many of them have been voted against by, by the Democrats? They're going to vote yeah. against funding to provide relief for the people down there who are being detained lawfully, by the way, because they chose to come into this country illegally, and many of them turn yeah. themselves in to be held in those facilities, which, by the way, makes the mind explode when she compares that to concentration camps, as if people were yeah, trying okay. to get into those. But but the point is, she, you know, they, they literally will deny the funding to make things better down there and then complain about how bad things are down there. Also, they can blame the administration. It's pure politics. It's all designed, as we said many times, it's all designed to try to get the president instead of help the country. And when, you're, when your sole focus is on what you can do to try to make the president look bad, then, then you're not focused on helping the folks who are who are in this crisis on the border and helping our nation as a whole. Look, any sovereign nation has a right to control their borders and know who's coming, who's going, and control that border. All what we need to do is real, real basic. First, deal with the crisis now. Provide the money for beds and, and the things we need, but also, but also build a border security wall and change our asylum laws. Those are the, that those things have to happen, and everyone and anyone with common sense knows that. Unfortunately, Democrats in Washington just won't do it. So Iran shoots down our drone, Congressman Jim Jordan. Um, there is a call for an armed military response by some, including Senator Tom Cotton. We have that ready to go. The president says go, and then the president says, okay, stop. It's going to kill too many people. It's not proportional. We're going to just go ahead and do sanctions. Then he says, um, we don't need any more wars right now. To me, that is an absolutely horrific thing to hear our commander-in-chief say. I think it emboldens enemies. If they hear that we are war-weary, it, it tells them they can kind of do what they want to do because the uh, commander-in-chief of the United States is not ready to come for us. What's your read on how we're dealing with Iran? Two, I think two things that, that, that are important here. First, this underscores what Iran did, both with, both with the tankers and with the uh, shooting down of the drones. This underscores why it was so appropriate for the president to get out of that crazy deal that was done beforehand, where they it should have been done in the treaty fashion. It wasn't. They tried to hide things from us. They did. Obama sent cash to him, which was crazy. So this underscores why it was important to get out of that deal. Second, I do trust the commander-in-chief and our military leaders to make the right decision on this. Uh, the president has also said there was going to be some kind of consequence for this action. So we will see how it, how it shakes out in the next several days. Um, and I, I trust the commander-in-chief of, of this country and the per- person that we all elected president and the good people he has in his administration and the folks on the Joint Chiefs and our, and our commanders uh, in the military to make that right, that, that right decision. And like I said, we're just going to have to wait and see, I think, over the next few days what, what actually shakes out. Um. I got to get I got to get you on Bernie Sanders, who is campaigning, and and not just Bernie Sanders, but I guess all of them, because there is a fight now in the Democratic cesspool of candidates for every individual demographic. They're playing their identity politics against one another. Uh, you know, Elizabeth wants uh, reparations, fifty million dollars or billion dollars. I don't know what she asked for for gays to get reparations. They're all screaming for uh, reparations for African Americans to atone for slavery. Uh, Bernie is screaming for. Uh, 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 Debt forgiveness, uh, trillions of dollars of student loan debt forgiveness. So they're they're doing everything they can to get every ident- identif- 
identification group, every demographic, every special interest group on their side. American people aren't buying all this, this massive government growth uh, in, in order to, for them to appease these special interest groups, are they? Of course they're not. I mean, this, this, this just shows you the, 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 how absurd and crazy the left is now going. Um, you see it in the things they, they say, the policy. And they want 16-year-olds to vote. They want public financing of, of elections. They want a borderless hemisphere, as we talked about before. They want government to pay for everything. They want to get rid of 170 million people in this country. They want to get rid of, they want to get rid of their private insurance when they go for this government-run system that they want in health care. And on and on it goes. So I think the vast majority of this country are going to say these people are, their crazy policies are not what this country needs. And I think in a year and a half they're going to reelect Donald Trump as president of the United States. But the left, they can, keep, they can just keep going down their crazy road. And the other thing I think this underscores is, and, I, and I, t- I tend not to talk about all the socialist policies. What I try to talk about is what it means to lose freedom. When you lose freedom, bad things happen. And, and when, you, when you go away from a free market and free enterprise system and you limit people's liberty and you limit people's ability to speak out under the First Amendment and exercise their free speech rights, and you start limiting freedom, which is in the end what these guys really are after, that's when bad things happen. And I think we need to talk about that more as we have this debate over the next year and a half. Congressman, um, as it pertains specifically to the slave reparations, I just have to ask you, because you listened in and you heard Burgess Owens and you heard uh, Danny Glover and you heard a host of people arguing about uh, reparations. Um, can, can you make any sense out of the call for people who had absolutely nothing to do with the atrocity of slavery, giving money to people who had absolutely nothing to do with suffering from the atrocities of slavery 150 years after it ended? Yeah, I mean, I thought Burgess Owens was phenomenal uh, just in the way he presented things and, and, and uh, just it was a tremendous witness with a, with a great uh, message. Look, I think the, the other thing I was struck with in that hearing, I said, if you would come back and people in the 4th District, which I get the privilege of representing, and let them hear what's going on here, they would look at all this and they say, really? This is this is what's going on in Washington, D.C.? I mean, that morning there was, first there was a deposition of... of uh, Hope Hicks, and people are wondering, like, why that? After 30, you know, $30 million in 22 months of the Mueller investigation, Democrats <laughs> bring in Hope Hicks for a deposition. Then there was this reparations hearing going, going on. And at the same time, I had three places I had to be. At the same time, there was a hearing uh, on the opioid ep- epidemic, which is a real problem. But, but come, uh, Elijah Cummings' bill and his solution is a $100 billion bill to, to, to spend $100 billion. And so if, if the average person in West Central and North Central Ohio would come to that and they say, what is this town doing? How about focusing on lowering my health care costs, securing the border? How about focusing on the things that, that truly matter to most Americans? Um, I think they would just like step back and say, oh, my goodness, no wonder this place is crazy. Yeah, it, it really is, Congressman, and uh, and it's only getting worse as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the the calls for women, I mean, what they're doing right now with the Democrats in control of Congress is why so many of us scream, do not let them get control of Congress. Uh, yep. So hopefully the American people are paying attention now. Please keep uh, keep up the great fight. I know you're working very, very hard to try to combat all of this nonsense, and I, we always appreciate you letting us know what's going on. You bet. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank, thank you, sir. Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer, it's 10 o'clock. We're going to get a time out here. We're going back to the border. More specifically, we're going to talk about the conditions at the border. We're going to talk about the policies that le- that have led to those conditions that Democrats will not address. And we're going to talk about mass ICE deportation raids. R.J. Uh, Hawman of the um, FAIR, Federation of Americans for Immigration Reform, will join us next. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.